Hello, Masters in the Making. I'm your host, Mike Miller, and I want to welcome you to Simple Self Mastery. Simple Self Mastery is a self-help podcast dedicated to giving you the best in health, wealth, love, happiness, and a little peace of mind five days a week. I'm excited and honored to introduce our guest today, Mitch Horowitz. Mitch is the host of the New Thought Channel series, One Simple Idea, and is one of today's most literate voices in self-help. Mitch is a Penn award-winning historian and the author of several books. Mitch, I've given our listeners a peek at who you are, but is there anything you want to add to spice up that intro? Well, first of all, uh, let me say congratulations on the launch of the new show. I think it's terrific that you're doing this five days a week. Thank That's you. the kind of resource people can really rely upon. Uh, my current book right now is called uh, The Miracle of a Definite Chief Aim. Uh, two of my historical works are Occult America and One Simple Idea, How Positive Thinking Reshaped Modern Life. And I have a new book coming out in the month of October, which is available for pre-order on Amazon and elsewhere, called The Miracle Club. And that book is my best assessment of what we can really conclude works in mind metaphysics based on the past 150 years of personal seeking and experimentation. Sounds like a very exciting journey you have going for yourself there. So congratulations on all that. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And so just speaking of that, Mitch, you know, you have a lot going on, but what is your focus? You know, what exactly do you bring to the world of spirituality? My focus right now is determining what is ethically serious and workable in the area of mind metaphysics or positive mind philosophy. I'm a historian and I'm a chronicler of spiritual experience, but I define myself as a believing historian, as a participatory writer. These philosophies that I write about are things that are a central part of my own life as well. And I don't think that the mind metaphysics movement has been fully understood, fully appreciated for what it's brought to the table in terms of human insight and betterment of human life, frankly, over the past, say, 150 years. And my chief focus right now is highlighting what's really workable, what's really mature, what's really effective coming out of that movement. And can you actually break that down? What exactly is mind metaphysics for those who don't know, myself included, listening? What yeah, exactly it's is a, that? yeah, it's as simple as the power of positive thinking. You know, some people call it the power of positive thinking. Some people call it the secret. Some people call it the law of attraction. Ah, those okay. aren't terms that I'm, you know, I, I don't find any of those terms perfect. I have problems and issues with all of those terms. But simply put, it's positive mind metaphysics. It's the idea that thoughts are causative, the idea that what you think interplays with the world around you and concretizes into reality in some measure or another, that what you think contributes to what happens to you. That's a very serious contention, and I think it, it, it's worthy of, of personal exploration. I think there's, there's workable ideas within that principle that thoughts are causative. Absolutely. And, you know, I, when you mentioned that the, the law of attraction, the secret, those are, are terms I've heard of before. But for you, like on your journey, like when did you discover mind metaphysics? When did you discover the, the power of positive thinking? Well, it's interesting. Uh, about 20 years ago, I went to work at a metaphysical press, uh, which at the time was known as Tarcher Penguin. And they published many, many wonderful books in the area of practical mysticism self-help, body-mind-spirit books. And I discovered on the back list a book called The Science of Mind by a writer named Ernest Holmes. Ernest Holmes was kind of a more serious metaphysical cousin to the Reverend Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote the book The Power of Positive Thinking, who popularized the phrase 
in the 1950s and who took a lot of inspiration from Ernest Holmes. Ernest's philosophy was called science of mind. And in a nutshell, he was really dealing with ideas that were probably pioneered in this country by Ralph Waldo Emerson, which is this notion that the human mind is a channel of a higher power. The human mind is a channel of some kind of cosmic laws, that each of us is a kind of capillary of the creative uh, agencies of a higher power or God. And that if you can learn to use your mind in a constructive, determined way, you can actually affect things that happen to you. Now, immediately some people want to argue with that thesis because it does come from a metaphysical perspective. There's no question about that. But this idea that the mind is causative has been validated in our time repeatedly and in previous generations in serious placebo research uh, in theories of and practices of neuroplasticity, whereby thoughts are actually uh, determined to alter brain chemistry. Uh, we are, in our time, I think, wrestling with all kinds of ideas that are currently coming out of the hard sciences, particularly quantum theory, as to how or whether or in what degree the presence of a cognizant observer has an effect on particle uh, recordings that are made in a quantum physics lab. This is, of course, very controversial material, and critics will tell you it has been sensationalized, cherry-picked, and misrepresented by New Age voices like me. The critics are wrong, actually. The people who are most deeply ensconced in the quantum physics field are themselves the most willing to consider the mysteries and the surrealities that seem to emerge from that field. There's room for a serious discussion between students of physics and students of metaphysics. And that discussion is continuing unabated uh, today, even though it's sometimes controversial. Now, things that we are seeing in placebo studies uh, coming out of Harvard Medical School and other places, I, I mentioned Harvard only because they recently inaugurated a program in placebo studies, are deepening our questions of what the placebo effect really is, because we are seeing studies come out of the Harvard program just over the past two or three years that are demonstrating the placebo effect in action, even when a placebo pill, a so-called sugar pill, mm. is transparently administered. They are seeing in their studies that the placebo effect is at work even when somebody is being administered a potent uh, psychoactive or therapeutic drug, not a sugar pill, so to speak, but an actual psychoactive substance will be more or less effective based upon the expectancy of the recipient. So even if somebody doesn't relate to the metaphysical claims of the positive mind movement, which is that there is some non-physical principle right. that is reflected through our thoughts, you can still celebrate that movement uh, for its pioneering instincts and insights into material that's being validated today in medicine and neuroplasticity and cognitive psychology. The fact is, over the past 150 years, throughout all fields of study, our concepts of the mind have deepened, have expanded, have never receded. And the people who were part of the positive mind movement, like Ernest Holmes, the author of Science of Mind, they were at the forefront of those insights even before 
concepts that are so common today, like an unconscious mind, were widely understood by the public. So it, it's been a movement of extraordinary potency. It hasn't always been a movement that's been properly recognized. And frankly, the movement itself needs to reform because sometimes it's burdened by childish language, immature language. The movement hasn't kept up. The movement hasn't grown. And I'm attempting to reform our view of the positive mind movement in my work and also urge that movement itself and its teachers and its congregations and its participant participants to also reform, to also reform, right. because that movement has growing up to do. Absolutely. And it's a powerful movement um, at that. And, you know, as you were mentioning, kind of speaking about that, I was reflecting on, you know, all the different kind of successful people I've seen. I love watching interviews and I love reading about these people. And they always mention the power of positive thinking and yeah. of visualization and how yeah. they saw themselves successful already before they any achieved any sort of success um, physically. So yeah. for, for people just exploring this idea of my metaphysics and getting into this movement of positive thinking, you know, where do they start? How do they begin? What step do they take to kind of jump into it? Here's a really simple way to start, a really simple way to begin. Uh, as you were alluding, a great many athletes, artists, entrepreneurs will talk about the effectiveness that they've experienced through visualizations, through affirmations, through what's sometimes referred to as a kind of self-programming or self-reprogramming. Here's a small experiment that your listeners can try. In the moments just before you drift to sleep at night, just those, those exquisite moments of deep relaxation, when you're still conscious, when you're still capable of directing your thoughts and your receiving sensory material, but you're in that woozy, almost semi-hallucinatory and very, very relaxed state just, just before drifting off to sleep. That's a state that um, sleep researchers today call the, the hypnagogic state, the hypnagogic state. When you're in that very, very comfortable state of near sleep, that is a time in which your mind is highly suggestible, highly supple, highly flexible. Use those few moments, perhaps, to repeat some sort of a mantra to yourself or to engage in some sort of a visualization of a desired outcome. Maybe you're performing a certain physical activity that's very important to you. Maybe you're performing especially well at some sort of a public activity that you're being called upon to participate in, like giving a public address or something of mm -hmm. that nature. Your mind is, is, is enormously suggestible at such moments. That's the time of day to engage in either visualizations or meditations or affirmations. And you don't have to worry about whether you have the capacity to meditate or not because those few moments are naturally meditative in their way. Right. And you can just allow yourself to fall asleep afterwards uh, just, just, for, just for a few minutes couple of minutes even, just experiment with a visualization of some desired outcome as you're drifting to sleep at night. Do it regularly. Uh, you don't have to rouse yourself to wakefulness. You're not trying to stay awake. You're just taking advantage of that, that state of very comfortable, very relaxed hypnagogia and permit yourself to fall asleep afterwards. See what happens. That's a way that your listeners can begin to experiment. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. And so 
you know, I, I know you mentioned that's probably the most ideal time when your mind's the most supple. But I mean, is any other time of the day useful as well? I mean, I know when I wake yeah. up, I, I say affirmations and I have my whole routine. Is that still productive? Is that still? Yes, absolutely. A similar phenomenon plays out when when we're we're coming to wakefulness first thing in the morning. Uh, sleep researchers sometimes call that hypnopompia, hypnopompia, but one doesn't need to get hung up on the terminology. <laughs> the two states may be a little bit different, but I think they both function very similarly. Both those states just before you drift to sleep at night and just as you're coming to in the morning are ones in which your mind is very highly suggestible. Your rational defenses are down in a certain sense. And that can be difficult as well. That's also why people who are suffering from grief or depression will very frequently describe those early morning hours as the most difficult hours of the day. And I think that's because it is a period of time when our rational defenses are down. It's almost hallucinatory. Our emotions are going, we're receiving sensory data, we have some modicum of control over our minds, but the horses of the unconscious, so to speak, can really run wild. But you can use those times as well. If you, if you take this modicum of control that we still possess in that very relaxed state, use those times, the early morning hours, just as you're coming to, the late night hours, just as you're going to sleep. If you meditate or if you take some sort of a nap or something after lunch, which some people do, you can also use that period of time. Any period of time when you're in that in-between state and you're still conscious is almost right. a naturally meditative time where your mind is, is very suggestible. Got it. And so I'm going to switch gears here just a little bit, Mitch. On your on your you know your path to discovery, inevitably you ran into success, but also a lot of challenges and a lot yep. of failures. For you, what was the one biggest challenge you faced on your journey in positive thinking? The biggest challenge I face is that I am by nature anxious. I've never tended towards depression, uh, but I do tend toward anxiety, and that's probably what directed me to start researching into this field to begin with, because. For most people in any profession that has to do either with the psychological or the religious or the humanitarian, they're looking for something that they lack in themselves. And I have always been bedeviled by a kind of anxiousness. And that made positive mind psychology as well as positive mind metaphysics, spirituality, very interesting and compelling to me. And I struggle with that every day. I think that these practices have made a concrete difference in my life. I think they have improved my life. But I also caution people within the, the world of new thought or the positive mind culture that they have to be very careful about not making demands of the individual that the individual cannot rationally be expected to meet. You can't tell somebody don't be anxious and expect that to have right, any positive right. effect. That's not going to work. There are some times, frankly, where I think we have to stop pushing ourselves and we have to just let go of the reins, release, relax, and come back to a set of practices when we're in a more able and copacetic state of mind. I also, frankly, believe very deeply in prayer. I think that there's no right or wrong way to pray. I think that when you're feeling exceedingly anxious, if you have a theistic outlook on life, I think prayer is something that can actually be very, very helpful and that each individual can cater it to whatever the needs of his or her psyche 
are using whatever language you like, whatever methods you like, whatever style you like. I part ways with this orthodoxy that prayer must be conducted in some sort of a spirit of calm expectancy or some sort of a belief mm. that you've received that which you already want. There are lots of people, most of us in fact, who go through periods of deep friction during the day, who go through periods of turmoil during the day, who frankly are suffering. And I don't think it's fair to the individual and I don't think that the cosmic order has somehow played a trick on us that we can only pray when we're in a particular state of mind. If you are a faith-oriented or theistic-oriented person, and you certainly don't have to be, there are plenty of secular practices that are highly valid as well, we could talk about that, but if you fall under that umbrella in whatever way, I think when you're feeling too anxious to engage in some of the exercises that I'm alluding to, visualization, affirmation, positive meditations, prayer is a wonderful, wonderful option. And I say that as somebody who's used it himself uh, in a life where I've had to paddle against the currents of anxiety for, for uh, my whole life. Mm. Yes, and I, I, I like that you share that because I've had the same difficulties and I'm sure some of our listeners have as well. And that's one reason we're all drawn to this this power of positive thinking and this and meditation and all different ways to calm our minds. And I noticed you mentioned a couple different ways to kind of practice. I mean, we talked about briefly, you know, prayer, and that's even prayer in itself is a form of positive uh, thinking when you think about it. Um, well, there's a positive persistency to it. You know, somebody was right. asking me this weekend, "What do I think of faith? How do I define faith?" And I've always had problems, frankly, with the concept of faith. And I know a lot of people have. It's one of those words that I believe gets thrown around too casually. For me, faith means perseverance. Faith means persistency. If you're persevering and if you're persistent in whatever you're doing, that is a kind of faith. But I think that persistence or perseverance also connotes something that's actual, something that you can feel yourself engaging in. Whereas faith to many of us can seem sort of amorphous. It's almost like you're trying to adapt an inner state of mind. I would say don't worry about defining faith or asking whether or not you have it. Be persistent. Persevere. That that to me is faith. Be persistent. And so, you know, for people who are, are trying to practice, um, you know, my metaphysics, there, what, what are a couple different ways they can do that? I know we talked about visualization, affirmations, but is there a certain one that works better than others? Is there like a certain hierarchy? Well, I, I don't see any hierarchy. You know, whatever speaks most most plainly to you, whatever you find most convincing, whatever you feel most mature and self-confident doing is what to do. One exercise that I do find extraordinarily helpful, extraordinarily helpful, and if any of your listeners want to pop me an email, uh, I'll send them a little card that will kind of guide them through this. Um, I think writing things down, writing down heartfelt, passionate desires is extremely important. The very act of writing something down can be clarifying, can be searching, and there's a certain actuality when you write something down. Write it down by hand. Write it down with an old-fashioned pencil and paper. You'll almost feel as if you've taken a step, however small, into bringing something into actuality, into engagement in the world when you write down a heartfelt desire on a list. And if you really stick at this list, and you make it a mature, considered exercise, and an exquisitely private exercise, where you feel like you can disclose to yourself, and yourself alone, what your most impassioned, heartfelt desires are, 
you may be surprised it comes out, at what comes out because when we're driving or showering and you know the thoughts are sort of revolving like a gerbil wheel in our heads, we can repeat things to ourselves by habit, by rote, that may not reflect our deepest and most authentic values, principles, desires. And you, you have to be prepared, quite frankly, to almost scare yourself a little bit. And I, I don't say that lightly and I don't say that in just some tossed off way. There's a lot that we might want that we don't acknowledge to ourselves. And I'm not saying that you or I or any listener out there should immediately act mm. on whatever passion you might discover that right. you hold, that you've been afraid to articulate to yourself. You could slow down and consider what the consequences are or you know, just, just kind of act on it as a mental experiment and see how that goes for you. But you must know it. You must know it. So list making if it's done maturely, if it's done seriously, if it's done in a sustained way, can be an extraordinary exercise. It focuses the energies of the mind in all kinds of ways. It's a valuable exercise for anyone, whether they're, they lean more towards uh, a spiritual approach or a secular approach. Awesome. And list making. And so, yeah. Mitch, we're, we're approaching home plate here. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Are you ready for the moment of mastery where you can share tips, resources, and insights directly to our listeners? Oh, absolutely, man. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's, let's get on it. What is one simple mindset shift our listeners can apply to how they think about positive thinking? What they should understand is that your life and your energies and capacities are like a tool belt. And one of the tools in that tool belt is the causative agencies of your mind. I'm not saying that we live under one mental super law. I'm not saying that we live under one overarching law of attraction. I do not believe that. But I do believe, having studied this material rigorously and applied it in my own life, that the mind does have certain causative properties. It's a very deep mystery. It's to be respected. It's to be experimented with. But you are never without some personal mental agency that goes beyond just the cognitive or just motor functions when you find yourself in a difficult position. I do believe your thoughts wield a measure of causation in our world, and that's something to experiment with. But you should always remember that and never feel that you're without resources. Love it. And what is one simple action, I know we've spoken a little bit about this, that our listeners can take right now, wherever they are, to jumpstart their success in positive thinking? One simple action they can take is that the first moment that they have today, whether they're in an elevator, whether they're driving, whether they're just taking a walk in the park at lunch, Sit down and however briefly, even if it's just for you know a minute or two, just meditate on, visualize something that you're trying to enact in the world. Get a feel for it. See if you experience some sort of result. See if something surprising happens that can't just be traced back to your own sense of expectancy, but that really kind of uh, takes you aback empirically a little bit. Keep experimenting. Keep trying. The first opportunity you have today where you have a little quietude, Dedicate just one or two minutes to some sort of vivid visualization and see what your experience is. Awesome. And what is one book you can recommend and why? The book I would recommend is a short book, actually, that I, I published last year called Mind as Builder. Mind as Builder. I recommend that because I just think it's a really good, short, simple primer in some of these ideas. And you could probably read it in the space of a lunch hour. Awesome. And that's Mind as Builder. Mind as Builder. And where can we find that? 
Oh, you can find it on Amazon or any place you buy books. Awesome. Uh, it's the subtitle is the Positive Mind Metaphysics of Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey is a uh, was a Christian mystic who I have great admiration for. Uh, and and the talk that it, it's based on a talk I gave that's ostensibly about him, but it really deals with the whole mind metaphysics field. Gotcha. And finally, Mitch, where is the best place our listeners can go to learn more about you and what you do? Oh, they can follow me on Twitter, just at Mitch Horowitz or Facebook or throw my name into Google. It'll take you to my website. My email is on there. If anybody has any questions, uh, I'm happy to hear from them and I will respond to them. Terrific. Thanks, Mitch. Masters in the making. Go check out simpleselfmastery.com. Type Mitch in the search. It'll shoot you over to the show notes page of today's podcast for links, resources, timestamps, and an overview of what Mitch and I discussed today. Mitch, thanks for spending some time with us today and sharing your journey. You mastered the mic and shared a ton of value. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. A pleasure. Masters in the making. If you enjoyed today's episode of Simple Self Mastery, please head on over to iTunes, type Simple Self Mastery in the search, and leave a five-star rating and review. It is my mission to provide you with high-value, free content five days a week, and I would be honored by your support. Keep learning, keep listening, and keep working towards your own personal self-mastery. We'll see you next time.